Do you ever wish that things in life would go a lot faster? For us here at your Manchester, it's the wait until we get some warmer weather in the north. Oh, and the wait between seasons of dynasty. We wouldn't mind speeding through our washing up either. Do you know what else is better when it goes faster? Your broadband. And luckily for us Mancunians, TalkTalk's Future Fibre is now here in Manchester. And with speeds up to a whopping 900 megabits per second, it's fast enough to throw anything you can handle at it. And it's great TalkTalk value too. Whilst it might not do the washing up for you, when it comes to downloading our podcast or booking the latest tickets to see the latest shows here in Manchester, then ultra-fast and ultra-reliable broadband using the latest technology is just what you need. To find out more, search TalkTalk Future Fibre, subject to local availability. Seven years of Labour. Thirty-seven years. Yeah, of but also of we're celebrating yes. because this is its last. Well, you never know, Flower. You That's never know. We're going to find out a little bit more about that in a little while. Join us in the studio today. Throughout the show, though, we have a neighbours super fanatic. Everybody, don't we? Yes, indeed. This is Michael Adams with an S. Everybody, welcome to the show. With an S. With an, with an S. S. Same as neighbours with an S. No, neighbours with, neighbours an, with an S. Neighbours with an S. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the S and the new It's not really. It's not really <laughs> it. Anyway, you have been a fan for for so long. I have all of my life. All um, your life. Yeah, going back to when I was at nursery. Oh, yeah. What got you into it? What made you such a big fan? I used to watch you with my mum. Did you? Yeah, oh. yeah. I know. What's, what's your favourite storyline? I could go on all day. Probably <laughs> D returning it. from the dead. Who? D, Toadie's wife. Was she the one that went in the end? Oh, yeah. Oh. Flew off the side of the cliff, turned back up. It was actually you know an evil twin slow, sister. You can see a red falling off the, the doll. You can, it's a doll, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, she came back from that! It's, it's, it's quite this impressive. Is like, this is show. like Dallas. It's, it's, it's yeah. not, that was bad. <laughs> this show has been amazing. And we are proud to have with us uh, via link. It's seven o'clock over there, everybody, mm-hmm. AM in Australia. The legend known as Dr. Carl Kennedy, known to the majority of us as Mr. Alan Fletcher. Welcome to the show, Alan. How are you? Oh, uh, how absolutely wonderful to be with you, Belinda, Brandon. Hi, and Michael. I know about your de- 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 uh, devotion to neighbours. I'm very, very impressed. I think I would be watching your show, guys. Uh, the one would you? you, you your, your credits. I'd like, like to look at that. I think a Manchester neighbours would be a good idea. Well, you know, you're more than welcome to come over and do it straight away. You really are. How The audition process for you, how did you come about getting into Neighbours? Well, I actually did Neighbours in 1987 for three weeks. I played a mechanic. And so they knew who I was. And they did actually ask me to do a year's contract way back then, but I was doing theatre. So I decided to stay there. And, uh, And then I did a show called Embassy for Grundy TV, who made Neighbours at the time. So the casting director, Jan Russ, Jan Russ, by the way, being the greatest casting director of all time, since she cast everybody who's everybody. anybody in Neighbours. 
Yeah. Uh, she said to me, come and audition for this for the show, uh, which I happily did. And I got a one-year contract. I can't begin to tell you how excited I was because I, my wife had just was just pregnant with our first child. And I thought, gee, you know what? You know what? One year's work. How good is this going to be? Uh, for an actor, that's all you can ask for. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And 28 years later, um, here we are. You've had so many good stories. You came in as a nice family man, and we thought it was nice having a doctor within lovely Ramsey Street. And then you kind of had a few little affairs, didn't you? And it kind of all went a bit... I was really upset when you and yes. her, when it all went a bit pear-shaped. I was very upset. It actually had an effect on me that to this day. Yes, well, um, Dr. Carl was very silly with Sarah because he had what was technically a one-year affair with somebody who he only kissed. Mm, so, yes. um, you know, I mean, it's, he's not really covering himself in glory there, is he? But... Um, <laughs> Uh, the the uh, the fascinating thing was the day the, the scene I loved the most out of all that was after everything he'd done uh, and, and honestly ruined his marriage when Sarah's getting married to Peter at the, he, Carl kisses her at the church again and uh, that, I'll, I'll never forget that scene that was just quite remarkable but uh, look he's got through he and Susan have weathered all these little storms I mean the, the affair with Izzy I think was still my favourite because. Natalie Bassingthwaite, such an enormous pal of mine. And it was such an absurd story. It was gorgeous. Carl wants the girl. The girl doesn't want Carl. The girl finds out she's pregnant with somebody else's baby who's dead in a fire. So she says, I do want you now so you can be the father of my dead child. But I have to falsify hospital records to make it look like the baby was born later. And when you eventually find out after I've miscarried, that the baby was never yours in the first place. You dumped me, but by now I'm in love with you. Wow. You, know, you couldn't make this up. You, you, you did, <laughs> they did. They did. This is the point. And this is what's been so good about Neighbours. It takes you, each 20-minute episode is a roller coaster for the viewer, isn't it? Do you think that's one of its successes? I, I think it is. People always sort of laugh and say, you know, Neighbours is soap opera, and they think about soap operas like the same as, say, Bold and the Beautiful, which really pushes the limits. And, and as you said, Dallas, you know, I mean, the best thing in Dallas was after an entire year of a character being dead, he comes back and says, oh, it was in just a dream. Just yeah, a dream, but... The whole 12 months was a dream. Fantastic. What a great device. But because some neighbours, of course, have said, you know, it's a soap opera and it's extreme. I have to say, though, I watch a lot of TV and I reckon there's plenty of shows out there which are, you know, high-end streaming shows that have far more extreme storylines than anything we ever came up with. But, I mean, it's the characters as well, isn't it, Alan? I mean, the characters are so beautifully crafted for what is just deemed as a soap. Surely that's got something to do with it. It's got everything to do with it. You're absolutely right, Belinda, because the audience has to fall in love with the street and they have to fall in love with the people on it. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, how many shows have you watched where you sit there and watch 13 episodes of a show and go, I don't really like any of these people? Um, yeah. but, you watch, but, you, but you watch it and you come to the end and go, oh, yeah, that was quite pleasant. But you have to, you have to genuinely fall in love. And this is, I think, why so many people are gutted that Neighbours is ending because it's become part of their life. It's, it's their regular 5.30 or even lunchtime fix. And it's part of their lives. So, um, yeah, the, the characters have been amazing. You think back, Harold Bishop, who, by the way, spoiler, he's coming yes. back into Neighbours for the end final episode. I was going so to ask about that. Who else is coming back? Yes. We've got to well, get to the nitty gritty. Uh, this is the problem. They haven't announced anybody else yet. So it's, um, the, all I can ask is that people stay tuned because uh, 
there's some surprises. You, I mean, if you made up okay. a wish list of everyone you want to come back, there's all the obvious ones, but there are some surprises. Uh, it's going to be incredible. I can't begin to. Uh, it, it's going it, to it's be massive because I I'm, one of the things that I, I've actually got two friends who are massive fans <laughs> of Neighbours, Lexi and Damo. They're massive. They've got a WhatsApp group dedicated to neighbours and which they will message each other every week and I was saying that we were doing this interview and they were both like I'm actually so heartbroken by this it's amazing that a show that obviously it's it's filmed in Australia but touches so many people all over the world so Mm. obviously we're celebrating that neighbours is 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 ending as well but we want it to progress do you think there's a way for it to do so well if it did it would be a different show I think uh, maybe maybe there's a kind of you know there's another there's another variation which is uh, maybe a different style or di- something else I don't know um, you know people people there's been a lot of conjecture about that but we at production of course the reality of it is the, there is no money the show has to be it has to end on June the 10th in production which means I think early August in the UK there's nothing to stop yeah. that. So the most important thing is for us to turn our energy now into making those last episodes so memorable that people will celebrate with us. You know, I, my, my, my wish is that on the day that Neighbours ends in the UK, that, you know, there's over two million people sit there and tune in. All the people, for all those people out there who used to watch Neighbours, uh, like 18 million of you when Kylie Carly yeah. and Jason got married, uh, maybe you could come back in the last week and watch the last week of Neighbours and uh, uh, and just remind yourselves and the world just how precious the show has been to the industry. Yeah, Michael, what do you think its success has been? Um, certainly yeah. for me, being from the northeast, um, I think that I relate a lot to sort of the small town sort of vibe. Everybody knows each other. Everybody's in each other's sort of business. Oh yeah, we've everybody's got in that. each other's houses. Everybody's got aunties and uncles next door. So I think possibly that we were lucky enough in my generation to to be able to catch it either at one thirty yeah. or at five thirty five. So you, you you could never have the excuse that you'd miss out on it. It was brilliant. It was it was a massive progress for especially like TV. It, like it didn't have like the first gay wedding in yeah. Australian TV. Yeah. It's got some incredible characters that have pushed so many boundaries in the world. And I'm highly sure it was the first show to actually start up running just after pandemic. Indeed, it was. And uh, one lady's dropped a little message for us as well. Let's have a little look at this. Hey there, Brandon and Belinda, and hello, Manchester. Listen to Calvin here from Neighbours. Just wanted to say a huge heartfelt thank you to all of our amazing fans. Um, we are so feeling all the love over here, and thank you so much for your beautiful thoughts um, and messages. Um, hope you have an amazing show today. I'm sure you will. Um, enjoy and keep watching. Bye. <laughs> we will definitely oh, keep watching. Um, what's next for you then, Mr. Alan Fletcher? Well, uh, I in March 2020, Jackie Woodburn and myself were heading for the UK. Uh, we were going to film in Dublin. We were going to do some publicity. And then I was going to be launching around doing my Dr. Carl show. I've got a show called The Doctor Will See You Now, all about my time on Neighbours. So it was all booked and we were ready to do it. Pan- a little thing called a pandemic came along, stopped that. Yeah, I heard about I've re- that. I've rebooked this show three times and it's been cancelled all the time and so i'm trying now to rebook it for september so i'm actually hoping to be in the uk around about the time neighbors ends um 
which will be fantastic because it'll give me an opportunity to personally start thanking people for their devotion to the show. And so I'll be touring around doing my show. I'm playing Americana music at the moment. I'm just about to go up to the Tamworth Country Music Festival in Australia to play, mm. to debut my new album, in fact, which comes in my first song comes out on April the 8th. I'm doing some ads here now. You can hear this, can't you? Yes. Um, I've got a, <laughs> I, actually, I've got a song called Sorry is the Word, a country song, which I sang with Elise Platt. Now, this is a bit of mm. Michael. Michael might have to come in here. Michael, can you remember who Elise Platt was? On Elise the Platt. Was she... Um... She's been in it quite recently. Was that who pushed Carl down the stairs? Did she push you down the stairs? Or not Susan pushed Actually, her down the stairs, rather. Or Michael, Susan pushed her down the stairs. Yes. Michael, I'm going to give you nine in, and a half points. In the school, points. of course. I can't give you nine uh, and a half play? points for that. Uh, Olivia? Olivia. Yes, correct. Olivia. Olivia you're right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but uh, I'll give you nine and a half points because you're missing a couple of things. First of all, Carl was the one who's supposed to have pushed her down the stairs. Um, oh, and she used that to blackmail the, the Kennedys. Um, and uh, she actually originally played the character of Jen Handley, which was an ongoing character way, way back on Neighbours. So, um, uh, Elise is actually a wonderful singer here in Australia, so I enlisted her to join me on a duet on this song called Sorry is the Word. So that'll be out there streaming all over the place on April the 8th. Um, if you like country music, I invite you to have a little listen. I do like country oh, music. Friend, Lexi, and what we like to be neighbours in country music. Is, is, is neighbours. <laughs> I mean, it's just fantastic. So many people have come in from the show. Russell Crowe was in it. Yes. Russell Crowe was in it. Uh, do you keep in contact with any of, you know, like your, your children? Do you keep in contact with any of, your, not your children, Dr. Carl Kennedy's children? Do you keep in contact yeah, well, with anybody? Yeah, you bet, of course. Um, Libby, uh, Kim Valentine, lives in Melbourne, as does Benji McNair, who played Malcolm. Unfortunately, I haven't seen a lot of Jesse Spencer, who's a wonderful bloke who, of course, has been in the United States working on two uh, US syndicated TV shows, House and Chicago Fire, which I think he's done for a combined 15 or so years. Yeah. Remarkable, yeah. really. Um, it's probably even more than that. Um, but uh, he's uh, he, he would be top of my wish list to come back to the street for the last weeks. Um, bit unlikely, I'm afraid, but, you know, you, 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 you can only wish. So uh, I haven't caught up with Jesse very much. Um, whenever I go to LA, which is not that often these days, but whenever I do, of course, there's, there's a, a real huge fraternity of Australian actors in LA, and I, I always catch up with them. Um, ben Lawson's a, a great pal and um, a wonderful actor who's doing brilliantly in the US. So, yeah, we do catch up. It's funny, our industry, I mean, you guys know about this, you know, you meet people, you work with people, they become your very, very best friends and you, you swear you'll never part. And then you go your separate ways and uh, you don't see each other for years. And then when you get yeah. back together again, it's, it's like it was yesterday. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so it, I'm always bumping into people who were in the show years ago and, and uh, it is exactly like it was yesterday when you just pick up where we left off. Nature of the business, isn't it? Right, but just before we let you go, Mr. Alan Fletcher, is there anything that you can let us have an exclusive on that's going to be happening in the next few months on Neighbours, please? Car, I can, I can talk, I'll talk, I'm going to only give you, I'm only going to give you away stuff about my own character and not because I'm, I'm, I've got such a big ego, that's all I want to do. It's because it's really all I, I can kind of cover off safely. But Carl's made some terrible, terrible mistakes in love when in his relationship with Susan Kennedy. And uh, he's, uh, that's unlikely to ever happen again. But this time round, he makes a huge mistake which shakes the foundations of the marriage. Oh. I hope she whacks you again. I hope she does. Oh, it'll be such a memory to bring it back. 
Oh, listen, thank you so much for speaking to us today, um, Alan Fletcher, Mr. Fletcher. Yes, thank you, Mr. Dr. Fletcher. Dr. Carl Kennedy. Dr. Carl I mean, Kennedy. It's bizarre, isn't it? You're it so is. involved with these characters. You do, though. It's bizarre. Uh, thank you so much. We'll let you have um, your morning tea now. Like I say, it is around about 7.20 over there now, I do believe. Uh, you have your morning tea. Are you working today on the set? Uh, no, I'm not today. I'm off today, so uh, I, oh, I, uh, I, I'm I'll, chill I'll go back. Up just I'll, I'll, have cu- I'll have a cup of tea. I'll pop back into bed. Um, you know, I'll read my scripts, and uh, I'll just I'll think about everybody in the UK as I read my scripts, and really look forward to seeing everybody. I hope everybody's staying safe and well. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to be over with you. I'll, I'll pop into your Manchester when I come over, if that's be right. That'd Not be a problem. Come on ahead. A little tune. Next up on the show, we've got a man who definitely knows his way around an animal, to say the least. Or a puppet or two. Please welcome Toby Ollie. Hiya. Nice to meet Hello. you. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Now, obviously, people don't really know who you are coming into this. So give us a bit of explanation. Who is Toby Ollie and his puppets? So I'm um, a puppetry director and designer, and I've been making puppets since I was about six years old. Um, and I've been very lucky um, uh, since training in puppetry university to be able to have a career in, in yeah, creating puppets for theatre and making my own productions that have puppets at the centre of them. And so when an opportunity like Animal Farm came along that has over 30 animal characters in it, I kind of jumped at the chance. Absolutely. I mean, it's not your first time, obviously, working with animals. You started working off in Warhorse as well. Um, during lockdown, you were also working on 101 Dalmatians, weren't you? Yes, yeah, we had got, gosh, about, uh, about 60, 70% through the kind of puppet build and had started kind of puppet training with the actors before um, the full rehearsal period started. And then obviously all of us went into lockdown. And so we're Joyce. just restarting that process now. Yeah, we're, we're finishing the puppets and start rehearsals for 101 Dalmatians in mid-May. So not long. Fantastic. Now, first of all, what made you want to get into puppet? I <laughs> a lot of Sesame Street and Thunderbirds as a kid <laughs> watching them on TV, um, but I think in school as well I really I it felt like the kind of meeting point between acting and drama, which I love to do, and kind of art and sculpture that I also liked, and kind of puppetry for me is is that meeting point in the middle because you're not only are you kind of creating and designing an object, but then you're either being responsible or teaching people how to kind of bring it to life, how to for it to kind of give a performance, and I think from working on Warhorse that was a real sort of game changer in terms of quality of puppet acting and how much an audience needed to believe in a character and I think that's been a real kind of backbone to all of my work since really of thinking right how can an audience invest in this character this puppet emotionally as much as they do the actors around it 100% I mean I've, I've seen Warhorse the show and it is it's a phenomenal show to begin with. but it's that emotion that you have whenever you see the horse going through because it's obviously it's on stage the whole time and you're watching yeah. it and you you start off and you go oh that's a cool puppet and as it goes on you go that is a character. That is someone I am feeling for that's going through this. Yeah. And it's definitely. incredible that well, you, I think, you can bring that to it. Oh, and that was the, one of the sort of really exciting challenges on Animal Farm was thinking, right, well, we've kind of got in any scene, there's probably there's 30 animals overall. So in every scene, there's probably at least eight, eight or nine animals um, when they have their kind of full meetings in the barn and things. Yeah. Um, and so you do, you end up thinking, right, how how can we tell the story, obviously not only of the animals in terms of the dialogue they have and their relationships, but how can we keep the kind of live animal acting going, something that audiences have become really um, aware of and kind of responsive to, thanks to shows like War Horse. Um, and so we've been, yeah, playing around with mixing in the kind of text that they speak but also with kind of animal movement to create sort of subtext or little kind of conversations going on in the kind of background that aren't in dialogue form but are in kind of movement form as well so how do you direct actors to do this because obviously you know it's not 
your regular kind of acting job. You're not going in to play a regular kind of role. How do you get people into that mood of playing these roles? Well, I think what's been really exciting over the past few years is seeing people come to puppetry or puppetry finding them when they've come from really different backgrounds. You can end up working a lot with people who've who've trained as actors or trained as dancers or kind of physical theatre and mime um, or people like myself who've done puppetry since the very kind of beginning. And there's a real exciting sort of melting pot and sharing of skill sets when you're in a rehearsal room with that, that many people of different kind of backgrounds. And so you, I mean, I, I'm a big believer of kind of starting with absolute basics and looking at things like breath and the puppet's eye line, a puppet's weight and using kind of those very simple means that we take for granted and don't think about as an audience when we're watching actors yeah. or as performers you're not thinking I'll show my breathing at this point but with a but with a puppet you know you have to think about the very basic things and th- those very basic things are the kind of currency that an audience uses and kind of loves to relate to when they're watching puppets absolutely and is there something that out there for people to be able to train in this sort of like style or is this more of a you learn as you go in the industry a combination, really. I mean, there's lots of theatre companies um, who run kind of puppetry courses and a colleague of mine set up a kind of puppetry um, school called, called the Curious School of Puppetry that runs for sort of six to ten weeks at the start of every year. Um, and I mean, the sort of skills you learn with puppets can be applied to any puppet, I think, you know, regardless of if it's on rods or on strings. Various forms have their own little kind of um, techniques, but I think broadly speaking, kind of the emotional kind of acting process of a puppet can be applied to anyone. And I think the challenge with a lot of the animal farm puppets is that the puppeteers themselves are part of the animals. So say pigs and the dogs, there's two puppeteers, one of them is on the head and the second one is on the body and their legs are the animal's back legs and then they are puppeteering the front legs. So they themselves are both puppeteer and kind of physical embodying actor of the animal. So so you end up as a puppeteer having your brain in lots of places. Um, There's a lot of synchronicity in it then and being able to work together. Yeah, totally. And things like Box of the Horse, he has three puppeteers. So you really are in a sort of very um, sort of heightened state of kind of physically listening to each other and being able to respond to each other and know when it's your turn to move a foot or swish a tail and things like that. It's like a constant sort of meditation or kind of dialogue that you're you're having, physical kind of dialogue you're having with the other performers in your in your group. Fantastic. Well, obviously, it feels like we're going to go on a bit, bit of a journey with all these puppets. As most people know Animal Farm anyway. Mm-hmm. When can we expect to see it then? Uh, it's at the Lowry this week um, until Saturday, yes, it and it's touring until uh, the end of May, uh, touring around the UK. And it's, yeah, it's, as you say, it's a bit of an emotional ride, really. And those animals go through a lot. And I think we were really aware of not wanting to shy away from that. And, you know, the kind of brutality of the life on the farm as yeah. things start to take over. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Toby. It, it sounds incredible. I look forward to seeing the show. Here's your roundup of what's on across Greater Manchester. Over at the Lowry this Saturday, Joss Arnott Dance presents a magical new retelling of a classic story, seen through the rusty eyes of the Tin Man and their journey to finding their heart and happiness. Also this weekend, you can head over to 53.2 for a festival of art, music, poetry, performances, talks, workshop, food, dance, love and joy. Save Me A Seat is a chance to celebrate the work of female and non-binary artists from the global majority. And at Hope Mill from the 29th of March to the 2nd of April, you can see Vagina Cake, a new comedy drama about five friends who just can't give each other up. But they're about to discover that life plans are like arseholes. Everyone has one and they all stink. And last but not least, the incredible Les Mis returns to Salford next week and runs until the 23rd of April. Well, that's it from me this week. Remember, if you have an event you'd like us to mention, just drop us a line. Contact us at yourmcr.com. 
it's Joe Brittany and your sculpting performance coach for another minute of mojo and this week it's about happiness and I'm going to share with you a brief conversation that I had with one of my clients last week in case you relate to any of it and there's something that you can take away that will help you she came to me and she said you're Mrs Mojo why is it that I'm feeling unhappy I spent the last 12 months feeling really sad, even though I know I've got so much to be grateful for. And what we discovered was she was actually chasing happiness. And here's the thing about happiness. It's a transient thing. It fleets from one moment to the next. Instead, what we did was work on looking at fulfillment. For me, fulfillment is a process of living a valued life and pursuing things that I'm passionate about. And the minute I do things that give me a sense of fulfillment, the happier I feel. So where do you start with this? Just think about when was the last time that you felt fulfilled and what was it you were doing? I'll be back next time for another Minute of Mojo. In the meantime, you can come and connect with me on my Instagram page, joebritton.mojo. But yes, indeed, everybody, Lame is, is back in Manchester and we are excited. We're not allowed to say Manchester because it's officially Salford, everybody, which is one of our lovely, lovely areas around the greater Manchester region. Lame is, is coming to us and it's going to bring us a whole host of wonderful, brilliant hits, everybody. And one gentleman that makes sure that nobody is performing to empty chairs, empty tables is Will Callan. And he is bringing us our Marius, everybody. Welcome, Will, to the show. How are you? Hello, I'm great, thank you. How are you? Are you excited? This is wonderful. I'm absolutely buzzing, I'll be honest with you. I can't Les wait. Miserables. When did you first understand what how the importance of Les Mis was? Well, I, the first time I had an experience with Les Mis was probably about 11 years ago. I went to watch it with my family and it quickly became the, the family favourite musical. We were quite a musical family when we were, when we were you know, growing up. And, um, you know, it always just stuck with me. And I actually played Marius... 10 years ago, 10 years ago to the day we started rehearsals. So, um, oh in my goodness. so yeah, it's pretty crazy to be here now. You just, I mean, it's, it's very age specific, the characters that you get given, isn't it? Within Les Mis, uh, is there a certain character that eventually you'd like to play? My mm-hmm. favorite thing about Les Mis at the moment is the fact that Marius was my dream role, uh, growing up and I'm just so happy to be playing it now. Um, I do really fancy maybe going for a Javert later on in life. I'll be honest with you. That'd be quite exciting. But um He's a lot yeah, better no, than Valjean, isn't he? No, I can't I can't say that. Well Everyone... I'll say it for you. Valjean's <laughs> a bit wet behind the ears, he's a bit Raoul or Phantom Inti wearing proper balls. I'm doing the most with, with, with Marius because I'm I'm trying to make him come across as a three dimensional character as much as I can. You're following in the footsteps of the greats, like Michael Ball, for instance, and I dare I say it, the Jonas Brothers. Uh, so you're, you're following <laughs> it in the absolute greats with this role, aren't you? I mean, how are you bringing the three dimensions to Marius? Well, it's been a process, I'll be honest with you, uh, ever since we started all the, uh, rehearsals in October. 
Um, I think it's been a lot of chiseling to get down to the part that, that I'm playing now in, in Limiz. And, um, you know, I think each actor kind of brings gets to bring their own version to the uh, to the character after working with it for so long because you find these little things that you that you feel comfortable most comfortable doing in in the situation and um you know it gets brought up in conversation maybe later on oh i like what you did there i like what you did there and um then those things stick it is a cracking character of course you get to be carried by valjean throughout the sewers as well no spoilers well, everybody Definitely have to watch what I eat before that scene. I'll be honest with you. So it is actually you that's carried then, because I've always because it's so well lit and everything. You know, was it you? Was it a, a dummy or something? You never know. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I wish it was a dummy, but uh, no, that that is me. And uh, Dean always jokes. Dean Chase, who plays Valjean, always jokes about um, you know what it is that I've eaten before that scene, because you know whatever it is, it makes it more difficult for him to carry me. <laughs> Over time, I think. Um, because you're doing the same show every day, the thing that you need to make sure that you don't do is slip into a, a routine almost. Um, every time you hear the first boom, boom in the in the show, I feel like that's a little reset for me to kind of try and experience everything the first time again, just like the audience that's watching the show. Because otherwise, you know, things will look like the character's been there before when they've not, and they need to experience that for the first time. So um, in the in the process of, of learning and getting comfortable with with the role uh, empty chairs was a big one to tackle because you know it's it's being able to manage the the performance of what would the weight of having all of your friends die and you be the sole survivor of the barricade uh spoiler i know uh, insert. i love a good spoiler and of course <laughs> you get the import the second most important um note in one day more as well and oh yeah, I mean, you've got Valjean, he's just screaming, screaming as fast as he can, but you get the, um, the, the important bit that ties that whole song together. I mean, when you hear the, the One Day More music and the strings kick in, is there a certain feeling that you feel as, you, as you're performing it? I think uh, the thing that sticks with me with that song is the fact that I'm, I'm getting more and more aware every time that I perform it, that I'm part of one of the most iconic musical theatre songs of all time. And, um, you know, it's a great feeling to, to know that, you know, that harmony that you're singing at the end of the song is creating this beautiful thing that the audience are hearing. As well. but it, does, it grows up throughout the entire show, doesn't it? I mean, he starts off as a young student. By the end of it, again, spoilers, everybody, if you've not seen it, where have you been? But by the end of it, I mean, he's, he's fully in love. He's about to get married. And, you know, he's, he's gone through a terrible time losing so many of his friends. And yet he still manages to find... The support to be there right at the very end for Valjean and for um, Cosette as well. Mm -hmm. I think Marius faces a lot in the uh, duration of the musical. It's um, it, it's very much kind of growing up quickly in, in the sense. Um, mm. He is the from the line uh, spoiler. Andre was saying, "Marius, you're no longer a child." Um, in ABC Cafe, I think it's at that point where his journey kicks in of, of growing up and, and coming to terms and realizing the stakes of, of the story, basically of what happens in Les Mis. Yeah. The company of Les Mis are helping to raise funds for the DEC, the disasters emergency committee, um, which are currently helping Ukraine, Ukrainian refugees. Um, I think the weight of the current climate has created a parallel for audiences coming to watch the show. And although we're all able to create a sense of escapism for the near three hours that it runs, um, it's managed to strike a chord with, with the people in the audience.
it's exhausting. It is exhausting because you go in there, you expect a musical, you don't expect to feel the emotions as an audience that you actually feel while you're in there. Uh, unfortunately, we have for yeah. now run out of time. Les Mis is running from the 29th of March to the 23rd of April. Um, Will Callan, we are going to catch you in this, and I would implore everybody, if they've not seen Les Mis or they want to see a new fantastic version of Les Mis, to get yourselves to the Lowry to witness this fantastic production. For now, though, Will Callan, thanks so much for your time. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, that's it for this week's show. Today's episode of Your Manchester has been powered by Talk Talk's Future Fibre, which is up to 23 times faster than standard broadband, proving that some things in life are better faster. Future Fibre is now available right here in Manchester. To find out more, search Talk Talk Future Fibre, subject to local availability.